listening to Pawnee Public Radio. With your hosts, Hannah and Will. Congratulations, dessert is on the table, y'all. <laughs> Welcome back to Pawnee Public Radio. It's good to be here. I have I have eaten this episode the way a baby learning to eat for the first time has, and I'm covered in chocolate. I'm happy, and I'm loved, I, and it's good to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad we're here, and I also feel a little bit bad for you, Will, because we watched the episode together before, before we record, <laughs> and I just kept saying the lines and then saying, I like this moment. I really like this moment. Well, you can now share that with you can share that with our our listeners of the moments that yeah, you. Yeah, here's a spoiler alert. I like these moments. I I will say, you you memorize. I think the gist of most most moments. Yeah, sometimes I would paraphrase <laughs> right before she said a slightly corrected thing. Mm-hmm. No, I I think it's still you definitely get credit for it, but it but it wasn't. Uh, we're not totally off book yet for memorizing like in perfect sync. But that's what no. we watch podcasts are for. But I feel like rhythmically, <laughs> rhythmically, I'm pretty, you're pretty I was there. pretty on board. <laughs> and then my favorite lines, I feel like I was off book for. Yes. I love, yeah, that's fair. Donna, John Ralphio. <laughs> yeah, that was word perfect. <laughs> uh, I guess that's just two names, so that I'm doesn't impressed. really count. No. We got honestly at this point in our lives in the world, we got to take those little victories. You know, I think we need to celebrate. <laughs> remembering things sometimes is this the episode sometimes where you'll start a rewatch what what feels like especially especially special about this one for you i mean i think let's not overcomplicate it i think ben and chris are what's special about this episode yeah i think they're just the you know it's like when you're finishing up when you're when you're built when you're like putting together a puzzle and you get all the pieces in and it's a beautiful sunset, but one of the pieces or two of the pieces were under the couch the whole time. And then you see them and you're like, oh, there are the pieces. And you put them each in and then you see the full puzzle. And uh, then you just get to throw all the pieces up in the air in excitement and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I, I mean, it's just so much fun to see, like, I don't know, first interactions and, um, Watch. I think the cool thing about any show is like when you bring in a dynamic character or a duo watching or a duo, you get to watch them interact with all the characters you already love Mm. and just like elevate each character. Yeah. No, I think you're so right that it it's a fun episode where everyone is kind of thrown off balance by these two new characters who are going to become a huge part of the world. And uh and we get to see people like try to find what the new normal is. And I think too, both of the introductions are just so like we, we know who these characters are right Instantly. away. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of for those who <laughs> I guess this reference doesn't work for anyone who doesn't watch, but on like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they introduce Spike mm-hmm. uh, a couple seasons in. And then you watch him interact with, with each of the characters and just bring out completely different things. And then it's just a different show after that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love it. And I think like 
like how Leslie Note makes everyone around her better, these characters are going to make everything so much better. And this is just the start. Yeah, I, I love I it. I love this show. Nice this that, like, is just comfort. Know. Yeah. They don't know how good it's going to be. <laughs> they don't know. I like that they don't know. <laughs> they don't even know I mean, her. it's just um, it's master just, plan. It's <laughs> master plan. We also Ben and Chris is, you know, aside, I feel like when I really loved the moment, I actually did get the the words right because I'm just like, oh, this moment where like, you know, <laughs> Ron, I feel gu- guilty. It's a re-gift. It's just <laughs> everyone. We'll, we'll we'll just jump right into the master plan and then live in it a lot. Uh, from now on, it's just it becomes more and more the show we all love. Uh, I will say though, I I'm the rewatch of the pre Ben and Chris stuff has really enriched this episode for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I. I think it it does a great job of like the groundwork has been laid and we've spent so much time with all the core characters now that like mm-hmm. we we also sort of have this feeling of like the you know the government coming in and messing everything up like I think we're clearly like on the on the side of our dear sweet friends in the Parks and Rec department yeah. and it's yeah but it's called the master plan. Uh, we'll talk. Uh, you know, we th- we think the A story is um, you know the budget crisis that's going to um, slow down the master plan that Leslie's come up with. The B story is April's twenty first birthday, and the C story is our little Tom finding love in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of like a there are plenty of fish in the C story. Kind of vibe, you know. I think that's a lesson. But if you that- try to catch all the fish, you actually can catch all the fish if you just have like a big net. There are those huge fishing boats. Yeah, but that that the dating Doesn't metaphor kind of women. breaks down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's um, kind of scary. <laughs> let's, yeah, uh, the idea of uh, Tom with a huge dating fishing net is terrifying. Yeah, so he has start- enough power as is. <laughs> let's actually start. A bit more in the B story, which is just our opener, which is a lovely, we're celebrating April's 21st birthday. Everyone's giving her gifts. And Leslie has sort of framed all the historic moments that she's had in the parks department, including taking her ID out of her purse and like putting it in this picture frame. (laughs) I love a good keepsake. I can relate to that. I can really relate to keeping scraps of things. I had a, I had access to a laminating machine at a job and it's addictive. I think once you start laminating, it's incredibly hard to stop. So I feel like that's how Leslie feels about scrapbooking. Yeah. Yeah. Scrapbooking is, uh, is, is I think the artistic version of laminating, but it's like a similar genus. Yeah. My mom used to do these incredible like photo books, kind of, you know, scrapbooks with all our family photos. And then computers became a thing. And now she puts together these digital photo books. Um, but it was I was home for some of quarantine and I was just looking through all these uh, photo books of like me and my brother growing up. And it, they're really well done. Yeah. So shout out to my mom <laughs> giving Leslie Nova run for her money. And then um, and then Ron gives her a gun on her 21st birthday. A cute little uh, 
a little Swiss number. For a little skinny thing like you, I love. <laughs> I love how this reminds me of a future episode where Ron um, wants to bond with this like third grader and gives her what he believes is a partially loaded grenade. It's a landmine, right? <laughs> a landmine, <laughs> yeah. sorry. And then, the, you know, we think it's a sweet moment until he's like, called out for it eventually yeah we're kind and of reminded that this thing. isn't <laughs> this isn't it the best just, thing yeah it reminds me of like how ron deals with kids in general like we'll see in the future he just doesn't know what to give them he brings a saw to a future child I, no more details other than that i just like that his heart is like so in the right place yeah yeah gift giving is is one of his love languages a lot of woodworking it's like woodworking or weapons you know one of the two, one of the two big dubs. The real gift he gives her will come later in the episode, but we'll get there. Oh, um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I love how shocked everyone is. It's just a great opener. And we end on April saying she's going to be 21, which everyone agrees is what makes you an adult because she's been waiting to be considered an adult so she can date Andy. But yeah, let's, <laughs> should we start in the A story? Yeah. And then it's a great jump place back to start. and forth maybe. Because yeah, we all pong. end up in a similar look. Yeah, ping pong. That's a game. That's a sport. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll reference ping pong the number of times that Leslie references oh, Jack no. London. I never saw oh my gosh. I forgot to watch Pocahontas for you. <laughs> so it, I'm gonna have to keep so it's saying still, just around the river bend. Yeah. Is that well now it can be just around the river Ben. Maybe there's a way that we can you know, mm, now that he's here, okay. you can drop that D. There might drop, be some. I will hope. drop for listeners. I will drop that in within the next moment in the podcast. And when I do, take, take a, a shot of <laughs> yeah, take a shot of milk. Do um, it like like Donna not, though. Give it like that double yeah, shot. That double incredible. shot at like Donna. Um. Yeah. So Leslie's written up this uh, budget proposal. It's called the Master Plan. She uses a lot of jo- Jack London quotes in it, and I. You know, I just wanted to, you know, know my Jack London stuff. So I, you know, put Jack London into the Google and uh, Jack London, kind of a hottie. Yeah. I, I didn't get past that and I didn't learn anything else. <laughs> How would, uh, just like kind of windswept, outdoorsy, chiseled. Actually, right? kind of, yeah, very chiseled. Yeah. He's got this sort of like swoop hair, kind of like curly, messy in some. Imagine like a nice, like broad face. Um, let's really objectify Jack London for the next thirty minutes. <laughs> he could use a win. I lo- I went through um, a big Jack London phase as a kid. White Fang? What are you was kidding your, me? What's your favorite? What? I think White Fang. I was gonna say, what's your favorite Jack London quote? Like, what would you put in your master plan? Hmm. I remember there's a scene where this half dog, half wolf has a fight with a bulldog, and that really. That really stuck with me, but I don't know how I would how I would tie that quote in. <laughs> I can see it working because fighting for more city services, it's like fighting for a with a bulldog. I tried. I'm yeah. sorry. No, I'm sure I'm sure some of the some of the quotes are probably a reach for Leslie yeah, if too. If you're listening, um, please instead of hashtagging us something, just send us your favorite Jack London quote. Yeah. We, at the end of this episode. He's an incredible writer. And tell me how hot you think Jack London is. <laughs> You have your homework cut out for you. Yeah. Um, so she's doing this with Anne, though. She's talking to Anne about how mm-hmm. they're finally going to get their park. A reminder that originally the show was just about building the park. And um, she asks Anne if she's coming 
to April's birthday is oh no 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 she asks Anne how things are and Anne has to inform her that they're not so great right now yeah that we learn in a talking head no more Mark she said I broke up with Mark and I don't want to talk about it I didn't know they got to choose if they wanted to talk about it <laughs> you mean like yeah. when they when they do interviews then <laughs> that they're legally obligated to Really go into detail. I mean, they just, How- you know, stopped filming. I I, I think it, um, oh, 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 I see what it was. It was, Leslie wanted her to come to the office to celebrate. Yeah. And she doesn't want to see Mark. Because it would be awkward. We don't even, know. I mean, we kind of get the aftermath of the breakup. We got the kind of pre-math of the breakup in Telethon where he wants to propose and she wants to break up. And now we're sort of living in the aftermath. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, we, there's no on-screen breakup. How no. do you, how do you feel to learn about the fact that they're no longer dating? Do you kind of hunger for a deleted scene of a Mark? Do you want to watch his face fall? Do you wish that we got to see Honestly, a moment of him no. being broken? I feel like I feel like their whole falling apart of their relationship has been so grounded mm-hmm. that I don't want to watch like a very grounded breakup in this very warm, <laughs> wonderful episode. The master plan. Like I, I'm okay with. Watching him process it. I assume, you know, I mean, we could basically role play it right now and probably understand what it was. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I really like you, but I just don't want to be with you. I'm so sorry. And I've loved our time together. And then he would say. Uh, would you like to marry? Wait, what? It- what? <laughs> I think he would maybe I- stick with the original proposal. Yes, I think he yeah. sticks with the proposal. Okay. And she goes, I, I hear what you're saying, but would you. you like to marry me? Yeah. I mean, I would like to, but I can't. Yeah. Okay. I hear where you're coming from, but could I maybe uh-huh. interest you in a marriage with me? How many times do I have to look over architecture plans in your office, Mark? One more time because my grandmother's ring is at the bottom of, of the blueprint. A blueprint for our life. Yeah, you're and right. That doesn't scene. make great doesn't make great television. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like our podcast listeners are so lucky to have gotten to hear that deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're lucky, but not for the reason you might think. <laughs> it is, I mean, thinking about like the structure. Wait, what's the reason that they're lucky? I don't know. I like to keep little, I like to keep some little secrets to myself. Between have me and the listeners. texting I've, the listeners? I've been just like. Only the lucky ones. <laughs> No, I I think it's such a smart move of like thinking about, you know, where is where's the drama, where's the comedy? Like your point of of having like a grounded breakup scene isn't I think it would be really tempting to put that in because it's like that's a that's a point in a relationship that we need to hit. But really it's like the failed proposal is interesting and them I not think- dating is interesting, but the breakup actually we don't yeah. need to see. Yeah. Listen, I think it would be interesting. Okay. If these two, if the both characters we were going to continue to watch, then add some com. You can make a breakup comical even when it's grounded. Yeah, but it's happened to me. We've all had hilarious breakups. <laughs> we've all had those hilarious breakups. No, but I just think because Mark is on his way out, and I think because they kind of they, I, I mean, we'll get to it, but they want to restart Anne on a new love journey. Um. You know, I just think it it d- didn't make the most sense to we sat with them in JJ's diner. We we can hear what the breakup was, 
but we don't have to go through the plottiness of seeing. Mm. The and we tried. Video. We both tried. And we just uh, and we did reached a, the same a great conclusion. Yeah. scene. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Leslie and Ron get to head to the budget meeting where there will be off brand brand Hydrox cookies. <laughs> Which are they're all right. Yeah. Says. <laughs> for a libertarian, uh, he's pretty on board for government spending on snacks. On the cookies, yeah. Yeah. Let's say there's a little, it seems like maybe a libertarian in government doesn't make much sense. I'll say it. Um, I just like that every time something happens this episode, we get to watch two characters we love react in opposite ways. Yeah. Every step <laughs> of the way. Um, yeah, we have, I mean, it's, it's cool because we have Leslie and Ron playing these two extremes of like La- Ron loves cuts to government and leslie hates them and then we're going to meet two characters who also kind of operate like polar opposites so it's like putting putting a bunch of magnets in a bag and shaking it and that we had mentos last (laughs) week and we've got magnets this week that's real like strong bill nye vibes that there's an experiment to go with every metaphor what Um, was that show where they would see if something was possible mythbusters maybe i feel like we're more like mythbusters Or yeah. Bill Nye, either one. I want to be a cool scientist. We're Mythbuster, and the myth is: is this episode funny? And usually, we say, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> we get to, we crack it every time, <laughs> painstakingly. <laughs> uh. So we get to this budget meeting. Leslie has truly like, uh, it's a chapter book as a ref- frame of reference to think about how big this master plan is. It's a, a tome. It's a big book. Um, but she's never going to get to use it because it's indefinitely postponed until indefinitely. Mm. And, and, and we get a little, a little teaser. The meeting is, is led by our favorite, um, city, city, city manager, city manager thus far In, enjoy him while you can, Hannah, Paul Loresco. Yeah. He knocks it out of the park. He delivers a little bit of bad news. And Leslie is heartbroken uh, and immediately he goes, on the defensive. We're going to postpone yeah. it indefinitely. Uh, until when? This was another line I knew. <laughs> Word perfect. It was yeah. just until when. <laughs> um, I just love, uh, you know, Leslie playing frazzled. Uh, le- or Sorry, Amy Poehler doing frazzled. Amy Poehler later on doing drunk. She's just good when things are falling <laughs> apart. Um <laughs> Yeah, so she has that. She's now very worried about, um, yeah, what the future of the sh- of the show, of the town is. <laughs> she might be worried. Who knows what I mean? It's a hard job. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's like a you know a connection here. You know, the show had some master plan of what it was going to be, and they they're throwing that out too, and and shaking it up with these two new characters. But before we meet them. We jump into the B story, mm. April's 21st birthday, uh, which is going to be at the most dangerous, sexy club in Pawnee, the Snake Hole Lounge. The, the little... <laughs> I, love, uh, I love Tom adding, adding sexy. It's like a pull quote that yeah. he's, like, <laughs> he's adjusted to make it a little more alluring instead of just, just dangerous. And Andy is trying to figure out if it's okay for him to date April. So he turns to Tom. Yeah. Who Half your age plus seven. Teaches him the equation. 
Um, which, which he struggles with throughout the episode. Yeah, there's just the math of it. <laughs> there is a better way, I think, to to give to give Andy a helping hand, and it wasn't it wasn't having him do a math. But problem I do here. love that that Andy, you know, because his half his age plus seven is twenty one and a half. He goes, "Can I date a little younger than that?" Since April's only twenty one. Um, Tom says, "Yeah," and I love this talking head of him going. Well, Tom says it's okay. It's probably not okay then. <laughs> like, I like what Andy does pick up on. Yeah. Is that Tom is not appropriate with women. Yeah, and it's also like Andy has uh, more and more, like, a good heart as a character. is just like... Yeah. He's a little sweetheart. Um, and he, he has good instincts. And it's, it's, it's also, like, right off of him learning... Um, like he wasn't dating April because the you know the rule of her not being allowed into the bar, yeah, made him wonder if he was breaking or if he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to. So I think he's just really trying to do the right thing, and we like that. Mm-hmm. We like that in a guy. It's okay. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's a birthday bash, and Tom, for his part, isn't doing his own equation. He's just inviting as many as many women as possible. Well, I think it's there's a very funny line where he's calling one of the ladies. He's like, the cover charge is usually 15. Say my name at the door. It's like 1350. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've always said when Tom is failing, I find some of it endearing because he's, as we'll learn at the end, he's really just, I'm not excusing his behavior, but he's trying to find a connection with somebody and he just mm. doesn't know how to go about it. Yeah, and it's also like all of the all of the sources that he's like modeling his behavior off of are telling him that he should be it's toxic masculinity. <laughs> but yeah. it, but he's like putting it on he, he thinks that's what he is supposed to aspire to. And but can I say that I don't yes. believe that he actually wants one to four girlfriends, like he says. I believe he wants to find someone he likes who likes him. And I think he just doesn't know. Mm what to do so he tries to play it cool by playing it so cool in the culture if you're right toxic masculinity but like i don't know i find something kind of endearing about the fact that he's just like he's just trying to connect um yeah i don't know mari i don't know what mari's done to me but i uh i think we should still (laughs) hold him accountable for his behavior that's bad but not but hold him accountable for his behavior and also recognize that he in this episode i feel like he just he just wants some love which is not an excuse for bad behavior yeah i'm just saying i think he's just trying he's giving he you know and i don't think he does anything particularly egregious this episode he doesn't he t- he takes no for no he doesn't you know he just tries with a lot of ladies <laughs> um, yeah. yeah and so it's, big and birthday it's, bash it's nice to see him <laughs> Maybe him get taken advantage of after like his plan kind of, you know, doesn't his master plan also doesn't doesn't totally go according I to the master plan. I think nobody's does. Uh, as we'll see, Andy and April's don't. Leslie's doesn't. Um, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, We're at the snake hole. Are we at the We're snake at hole? The, are we at the snake hole? Everyone's like, please. Yes. No, we are not at the snake hole. I'm so sorry. Uh, they're waiting <laughs> in the A story for the the city budget. Um, 
dudes. Uh, and in walks this couple trying to get a divorce. And I love, I also got this line correct. Yeah. She goes, no, ah, no. death. <laughs> and they're just looking for a divorce on the fourth floor. And then we have it. And as they, I mean, characters who have chemistry, your next thing is like, this is a hot couple. Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought this was a great couple. A I real thought Jack this woman London, was, yeah, if he was still Jack alive. Yeah. <laughs> <level. laughs> a young Jack London. How old did Jack London live to? I should know this. I should know, I know this. You said you were a big Jacker, <laughs> Londoner. <laughs> I don't know what a Jack London fan is called. A big, a big London I'm gonna, head. I'm going to guess that he died when he was 52 years old. All right, here we go. He was born 1876. Uh-huh. He lived so to 1916. That. Okay. So then I divide that by two and I add seven. You add seven, divide by two. So I so I think I can I think I can date Jack London. Technically. I think he falls into that. Very um, much so. He died at the age of 40. Oh. But I mean, with like the exchange rate, I feel like 40 then is 52 now. Still young, but a little bit older, you know, with like inflation. Um, all right, I'll take the loss. So we're back in the office. Death just leaves. How did he die? That's so young. People yeah. used people really used to die all the time. He died in a sleeping porch in a cottage on the ranch. London had been a robust man, but had several serious illnesses, including scurvy and Klondike. Additionally, during his travels on the snark, he and Chairman picked of unspecified tropical mm-hmm. infections and diseases, including yaws. At the time of his death, he suffered from dysentery, late-stage alcoholism, and uremia. He was in extreme pain and taking morphine. Oh, this is, yeah. this is not a happy ending. This is not one of those happy death stories. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that you always hear about. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's um let's get into the happy part where yeah. Chris so and death, Ben... Death leaves. Chris and Ben come bounding enter, in. Come in... We've got Chris Traeger full of endless positivity, and we have Ben, who is, he's just, the way Adam Scott just stands, it's just like he looks constipated. It's amazing. And then we have it. We've the, the, uh, the, you know, I guess uh, uh, Chris would bring in a, uh, some sort of veggie loaf dessert concoction but i'm just gonna call it dessert and say we've got the apple pie is here we're here we're mm. in it um it's Begin. happening the, the the match has been lit spike has entered buffy not physically that <laughs> happens later in the show but uh we're yeah. now we're now, spo- <laughs> we're now also spoiling, spoiling other shows <laughs> <laughs> um so first impressions. I, they're they're two sweet boys. They've got a a real like um good auditor, bad auditor energy right off the bat. Um and yeah, and, and Chris woos everyone, but then Ben and Leslie slaps them do down. not. Yeah. They yeah, don't, don't seem to like each other. I wonder how this will end up. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much Ben thinks it's the government's fault. He's just here to help. Leslie sees it as a threat and, uh, does not, she tries to compliment his shirt, you know, she tries, but very quickly (laughs) begins to call him Ben the jerk. Yeah. When, when I think, I mean, you know, 
if you think about it, their goal is probably the same of just ma- having government run more smoothly and be more effective. And she's I mean, been if- she's been fighting city council her entire time in the parks department. In fairness to her, he comes in and he wants to fire the most beloved member of the office, potentially Jerry. Yeah, Jerry Gergich. Which would there be riots? It would be <laughs> riots in the street. Real, real problem. But now we're at the Snake Hole Lounge. There we go. Thank we got you. to the Snake Hole okay. Lounge. I feel silly because I dressed up and wore my party outfit for the beginning of the episode when I should have just changed into it at this point. But put on your dancing shoes. It seems like a pretty fun party. Everyone's there. Yeah, All of our friends are there. There's 21 balloons. Gosh, remember when the world existed and you could gather with your friends and. Have complicated drunken escapades. <laughs> it yeah, it just hits a little different over Zoom, but the escapades are just know, a little my, more local. Yeah, yeah. Well, my friend has thrown some. My friend Jesse has thrown some wonderful Zoom house parties where you enter different rooms for from breakout rooms, and there are clues in different rooms, and there's even a dance for, floor virtually. So credit where credit is due. My friend, one of my friends, has tried very hard <laughs> to create this. Experience um, virtually. We have in this moment all you know. It's some kind of a braid of of the A and the B story, just because everyone's at this party together, and it's gonna get messy as parties do. You know, yeah, everything is braided together, and it's it's a party. We got John Ralphio there being smooth and weird. We've got Donna not taking it. We've got Leslie and Ann having one of our favorite Leslie and Ann drunkies. I love yeah. them drunk. Here's the thing. They're both drinking for different reasons. Leslie's worried about the jobs. And as we we kind of skipped over it, even though we dealt we dove into <laughs> it a lot. She had to meet with Mark at JJ's diner again to go over the breakup and how they never fought, and that's not a good thing. So they're both they both need a drink. And I said to Will while watching, I love a nerd who also wants to drink. <laughs> Not wants to drink, but wants to, like, dance. Yeah, cut loose. Yeah, I love a nerd cutting loose. And Amy Poehler, like I said earlier, she plays drunk so well. And so does uh, Rashida Jones. Yeah. And I think I I love that they're, like, on equal playing field. You know, like, there's... And when they're both drunk, they're, like, the status of who's in charge of, like, the project that they're working on or who's sort of, like, calling the shots. It's just a great... It's a great equalizer. And it's very Mm -hmm. fun. Um, yes. Yeah. And they, they I also, it. <laughs> yeah, I also think like there's just something so sweet when they're just drunk. Like, you know, we met each other and that's what matters. You came into that like meeting and, and we know cause we've now rewatched the series, you know, it was just started because Anne entered the meeting. And so while they're having this love fest, April and Andy are getting into some young love drama. Um, because, Andy, it's so cute. April's dressed up in this little pink dress, and Andy is just in awe, offers to get her a drink. Uh, Unfortunately, he meets the very drunken Anne at the bar, who, in I think a very relatable way, is just like, I loved him. Like, this drunken, like, drunk, you know, you know, drunk, drunk goggles. Um, Mm. And she takes her sweater off in front of him. A classic seduction move. He is not falling for it. Um, she does ask him, you know, was, was she a good girlfriend? You know, she just went through a breakup. But April sees this and decides to uh, let John Ralphio 
stands up on her. It's a real soap opera in the Snake Hole Lounge. Like, this is the most soap opera Parks and Rec has been in a, in a bit. Yeah, drama, 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 drama. The three Ds of drama, and they're all here. It's drama town. This episode could have been called drama, but Ma- Master Plan is a better, better episode title. It's so- a real love. <laughs> it's a real love uh, kind of triangle combinations. Yeah, and I, I think like there's there's an Anne being drunk lets her be honest and also lets her uh, both like go directly for something that she wants while also being like not totally clear headed and it isn't actually <laughs> what she wants. Well, see, I, mean, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's like, it's not even her going for what she wants, but her going for her most like childish sort of, I don't know if this is the correct use of this, but like id desires. Like mm. she's not, it's not what she wants when she has a clear head. It's what she yeah. just like wants emotionally or <laughs> physically right then, which yeah. is like, I'm this last relationship I was in was, Let's face it, boring. We never fought. We never liked each other. Like, I never fully liked him in the way I should. And the opposite of that is Andy. And then she wants it for like half a second. Well, and, and it's a thing where it's like an earlier, the like grass is always greener thing of like just getting yes. out of a relationship and thinking through, you know, rose colored glasses about all the relationships you've been in before. And I think it's an interesting moment of it's the culmination of her and Andy being on these like, opposite trajectories of Andy is falling in love while she's kind of falling out of her romance right. with Mark. And so it's sort of this moment of both of them at the bar lines up at the both the peak and the valley of both of their yeah. journeys. And April sees that moment and reads it as like a returning to the way things were. Well, we've seen this in a more subtle way in the mm. past where like she's made him the care package. She offered to make him pancakes. But with a little alcohol, she's straight up like, why should someone else get to benefit from this grown up Andy? Mm. And from like from the valley that she's in, she is able to see like, oh, he's like doing nice things for people. He's, you know, she's able to see that he actually has gotten better since they broke up. And she, at least in this moment, feels like either the same or worse. (laughs) I also think like April and Andy are two characters who... While their love has is has been so mm. cute, they're not the best at communication. So I, at all, like throughout, you know, they never talk about the bar thing to each other. They never mm. talk about the age thing. It's just sort of unspoken romance, which is sweet that it's unspoken, but there's also a benefit to speaking. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that this situation plays on their current weakness as a couple. Yeah. Well, it's interesting seeing how april loves to play games and like mess with people and there are moments where that really lines up with andy but then there are also moments where she she wants him to keep playing but he he like takes her at her word so with john ralphio when she you know as we mentioned lets him dance upon her um when she is for her that's like a move in the game of trying to get Andy's attention, but he kind of just takes her at her word, I think, so, and like leaves. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I also think, as will be shown in the next handful of episodes with her, you know, she plays games with people and is sarcastic because she is scared to be vulnerable. And I think she'll we'll see her be vulnerable, get scared, and run, 
be vulnerable, gets hurt and run further. So like, I think she's very, her dressing up for him, I think is her version of being like, I really like you. And, you know, when she orders the whiskey neat and says she's not playing games, she's putting herself out there and she doesn't do that ever as a character. So for him to even like be standing next to Anne taking her sweater off is her, I think she's just hurt and she's retaliating. And we're left with like, between them in the in this bar mm-hmm. just like the most in, like sincere saddest talking head of andy just being like i thought she liked me yeah he's just like i'm usually not very good at reading signals but i really thought i really thought she liked me and uh, yeah and, that, and obviously that john macho john- guy is a douche <laughs> a great line that you just nailed yeah, um but you. on the other end of it we have ben the jerk enters the bar And uh, Leslie, in a very professional way, tells him that everybody hates him and he sucks. (laughs) I just love the moment after where Anne's like, you were so professional. And Leslie's like, I know. (laughs) It's just them drunk. It's just just so fun. It's just everyone gets to shout what they actually feel. And like sometimes it's not fun watching drunk people. Like I feel like when we did improv, you know, a note would be like, don't play a drunk person because... You know what? You know, people want to watch people with like actual motives and, you know, you don't want to watch someone who's just. But I think this proves that the correct the correct written drunk comedy character is just a truth teller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's a way of, you know, kind of I think in a similar vein when we talk about not needing to see Mark and Anne breaking up, like there's Mm -hmm. a there's a thing where. It, you just get to get to the good stuff faster by yeah. having scenes like this. And what's fun, I think, is that I love that we go from the snake hole lounge scene to when, you know, Ron tells Leslie that she has to apologize <laughs> to Ben because he has he holds all of their jobs like a bunch of little birds. In and his, she holds in his on hands. to that. <laughs> and that's the only thing she remembers. I will say one more snake hole lounge oh, thing. Yeah. We have Tom continuing to try to hit on all the women at once in order to make a connection. We see the return of Trish Ionetti, the pageant uh, winner. And I feel like it's a kind of a heartbreaking moment, even though I know, I know he is toxic masculinity, but like when she's like, oh, you're so funny as he buys them all drinks. And then he kind of quietly is like, but do you, do you like me? Yeah. And it's clear that none of them are actually into him and he doesn't, or, um, deserve everyone anyone to be into him he's not owed that but i just think there's something sad about he just he really wants to connect with somebody and he keeps failing he starts try he plays all these games he gives someone a bottle cap and then the the girl seems kind of like she's digging him because he's in animals. Then he goes around trying to find who he gave the bottle cap to. He's lost the girl. He doesn't remember at all what she looks like. Uh, the girls were all very different looking that he was approaching. I did notice that the the girl that he originally gave, I was going to say the gorilla girl as a way to say who she was, but that isn't. Wow. <laughs> that's not what it is. No, that's The girl not who what he's talking about gorillas with. <laughs> yeah, is, is like in the background of every scene where he's talking <gasps> to someone else. Like I think there's really? she's just always kind of just missing. Wow, did real you just catch moment. something I did not catch? That's this why we is recap. why we make podcasts. <laughs> I am pure 
yeah. furiously looking through <laughs> this. Scrubbing uh, through it. I, As you're enhancing. So you can, you can talk yeah. about the hangover the next part while I look for, <laughs> while, you, while you just relive that I moment. I am officially distracted. Yeah. Check my, check my work. Um, the next day, people had too much to drink. They're hungover. They're like Will Sondheim after a wedding in New Orleans, um, which is a very specific reference for me, remembering what a hangover really feels like. <laughs> um, and we learn that Anne shared a smooch with someone and kissed someone, and we don't know who. There's a little tease where we think it's Larry, Gary, Jerry. We think it's Jerry. It's not well, he does any act of those very people. very weird. He comes Let's in with a weird energy. A weird freaking energy. <laughs> like, I understand that the joke is like, was it him? But he's like, and. There's a lot of lip licking. There's a yeah. lot, a lot of lick licking. Lip licking. <laughs> Say that 50 times slow. Yeah, Jerry would in this moment because he's just a little off. Um, and then this is when we get Ron tells Leslie she's she's got to apologize. Okay, he's looking for the girl with the bottle cap. You're I'm still, not seeing yeah. the actual bottle cap girl. Oh, I'm still obsessed with this. <laughs> oh, there she is. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's there. She's right there. Yeah. Tom, look behind you. Look yeah. behind you. Okay. An interactive moment. I hope moment. the listener isn't too confused by our skipping around. Um. Yeah. So but we're also. I mean, sometimes you have to record a podcast drunk so that we can just be honest with each other, you know, and just call it like it is. Should we? Okay, listeners. Should Will and I do a drinking podcast where we drink and then podcast? Can you imagine this if we were drunk? I feel like we're already a little bit goofy. Maybe it would slow me down. Maybe what I need. Leslie's apology. She's got to apologize. She's got to apologize to this Ben fellow. What I like is that within like three lines, she's yeah. back to saying exactly what she said when she was drunk. Yeah. You know, she's like it's, very <laughs> honest. Yeah, she's not. Leslie yeah. is not a person who bends to <laughs> bends to her convictions. But don't worry, listeners, because Ben decides to, in the middle of her kind of like going after him, ask her for a drink at 1030 a.m. And we get a scene that shows just around the river, Ben. I felt it. I knew it was going to come. I feel like I'm just as responsible for not doing something to stop it. I feel like we. (laughs) Listen, I promised the listener that at some point I would do this. Yeah, they're sitting there, and this is one of my favorite scenes. Um, but, you know, he's saying that she's going to have to make some tough decisions, and he says this so quickly. He goes, uh, well, we'll get to his backstory in a sec, but he he says, like, don't you want to run for office one day? I think, he, goes, I don't think it's a question. It's like, you want to run for office someday, right? Yeah, you yeah. want to. And you're she just responds, him. how do you know? And we don't get a full answer yet, mm-hmm. but he because ke- he keeps talking, but I once said a bunch of podcasts ago that um, when he says, you know, you want to run for office one day, he's just seeing something in her that maybe she doesn't even fully recognize um, in herself or she knows, but she doesn't think is a real possibility. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's, it's, I remember when we were talking about putting magnets in a bag and shaking them around for some reason. I yeah. <laughs> I think it. It is him inviting her out for a drink is him putting her off balance and it, and it's changing what it's changing the sort of rules of their engagement of their relationship in that moment. But then we get a magnet switch again. Yeah. 
no, we're think, talking about, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Go for it. No, no, I, just, just that it is, it's a, it's him choosing to have a human connection with her. And I think it is because of what you're saying. He sees some sort of kindred spirit or he sees someone yeah. who is passionate about something that he is also passionate about and, and like chooses to have a connection outside but of I love, government. I love the reveal too, that changes their dynamic further, which mm-hmm. is, that he was once at 18 elected mayor of his small town, but he doesn't even have to explain fully because I love this detail. She recognizes him as the 18 year old mayor. She remembers him. She was jealous of him. She remembers his inauguration song. Of course, he then immediately after blew the town's money. We'll get there. And that's why he's in city plan. Uh, not city planning. That's Mark. Whoa. <laughs> that's why he's in, uh, you know, being a budget specialist because he wants to prove he's responsible to run for office. But I love this detail that when she was <clears throat> a teenager, she knew him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think it, it could be skipped over so quickly, but they, you know. Yeah, Benji. It's cool. Benji Wyatt. You're Benji Benji Wyatt. Wyatt. (laughs) Whoop, there it is. And I love this sort of transition into what he brings out in her is that she decides to make 35% cut in the budget and goes into her next meeting with them, very prepared to make cuts. And I want to stop at this scene for one second because we have Ron, Leslie, and Anne in the waiting room of Chris's office And Anne is there, story-wise, specifically for the big reveal that it was Chris who she drunkenly kissed. But my question is, why was she there in this office? She doesn't go into the meeting. She doesn't work in City Hall. She actually specifically said she wanted to avoid City Hall because of Mark. So, Will, can you please explain to me, other than plot, why she is there? Give me any reason of, of, you know, show canon to believe it. Yeah. And and to thicken the plot, it's a it's a waiting room. It the whole purpose of the room is to be in the room before going into the next room that they're going into right. and she doesn't go into the next room. It's not she's, the hallway. She's just here it's for the like waiting room. But yeah. I mean I, actually she yeah. actually she is in City Hall. We know why she's in City Hall. She wants to find out who she kissed. She even yeah. asked Andy if they kissed. So I guess that much I can buy. But why is she in the waiting room? Why is she still in the waiting room? I guess if I'm going to be honest, the only conclusion That's, I can come to yeah. is that um, she's been dead the whole time and this is purgatory. And okay, the waiting room is purgatory it. and then, yeah. But if you, okay, listeners, someone please figure this out, call in or tweet at us and then tell me what I'm missing here. I do think with that said, the interaction is very cute. She uh, got drunk, sang karaoke and gave Chris her phone. Something that is also never mentioned, that she thinks she kissed someone and she's missing her phone. If I was missing my phone, that would be what I was talking about. This was, two, this was what, 2010? This was still early phone days. People probably had a couple. Could have been a burner. She could have just turned on yeah. now, find my phone, and she, it would have led her right to Chris. Now that's an episode I want to see. <laughs> Where there's no mystery and we just solve it with technology that is recent. Um. But yeah, we end uh, th- her storyline finding out she she kissed Chris and uh, Leslie and Ron go into their meeting. And uh, Leslie's cuts are great and everything works out and the government is going to run smoothly unless it dun, gets dun, dun, shut, shut down big time. They're um, shutting it down. They're shutting you, it her down. Her cuts are not, a, no, no cuts are enough. 
Ron is giggling. She's freaking out. And we get a fantastic closing scene. Uh, uh, Andy wrote a song for April named after a month, November. And we get just a classic Andy with a guitar singing sadly for April with the government's shutdown. Yeah. Ooh, good episode. Master plan. It is such a good episode. How many mouse rats do you give it? Probably one is enough. (laughs) I don't know. I was was calculating. I give give it a half its age plus seven. Seven mouse rats. Wow. Um, Listen, I just, you know, it's such a fun episode because while there are episodes coming up that are maybe as a whole, you know, bam, 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 bam. Yeah. I just think this introduction is so exciting and it's all the potential of what these two new characters are going to bring. Mm. Well, we've chit-chatted quite a bit while going through the story. So I want to (laughs) chit-chat, guilty as well. Um, I want to chit-chat with some of my favorite people, the folks that Will is secretly texting, our listeners. So let's let's get to our voicemails. We've got voicemails, we've got two emails, and then we've got uh, some five-star review things. So let's do it. Uh, Starting with Jennifer who has a three-part voicemail. Jennifer, we are blessed. We are happy. Mm. We are excited. Thank you so much for calling in um, over three messages. So let's get all three of them. Let's do it. Part one. The Gen Tales. Hi, Hannah and Will. This is Jennifer from Santa Cruz. First time, long time. I'm calling because I was just reading um, Yes, please, Amy Poehler's wonderful autobiography. and has this great passage about when, at the end of season two, how she came into her own. These are the words from Mike Schur. He says, characters on mockumentary shows look at the camera for different reasons. My point is that when we created this character of Leslie, we imagined that her relationship to the camera was one of guarded caution. She had political aspirations, and people with political aspirations both, A, like being on camera, but are also... B, acutely aware that one slip-up or inappropriate recorded moment can ruin their careers. (laughs) In the beginning, Leslie had that cautious relationship with the cameras, but as time went on, Amy just kind of stopped looking at them. Amy and I never really discussed this, nor was it a conscious decision on the part of the writing staff. It just kind of stopped happening. I thought about why it was happening toward the end of season two, and I realized that Leslie had evolved into a character for whom there was no difference in her private and public thoughts or feelings, or motives, Amy had made her into a completely consistent, hard-on-her-sleeve character who was not embarrassed or ashamed by anything she ever said or did in any scenario. I remember thinking that was great, and from that moment on, I used that as a North Star for writing Leslie. It became a mission statement that we would never write a story that involved her being ashamed of how she felt. It's a pretty badass character trait, I think, and it only works because of the supreme sincerity of the actress who embodies it. Part two, the Gen Tales. Hi, this is still Jennifer from Santa Cruz. I know the Mike Schur quote is too long, but listen to how good the beginning is, too. He says, characters on mockumentary shows look at the camera for different reasons. For Michael Scott, it would be because he had just done something humiliating and then suddenly remembered that there were cameras there. His looks were often conveying, "Uh uh-oh. Ben Wyatt, like Jim Halpert from The Office, often looks at the camera as a plea, like, can you believe what I have to deal with? Andy Dwyer looks at the camera like it's it's his best friend, and he wants to share how awesome something is, and so on. Ah, all the characters are so wonderful. Thank you, Hannah and Will. The Gentiles, part three. 
Okay, and this is my last call. I just wanted to also add that I have always thought that the way they all pick on Jerry is by far the worst joke of the show. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yay, the Jen tales. Jen, uh, do we want you to call back again and again? My answer is yes, please. Uh, yeah. That was a reference to the book. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I'd listen Nefer. to I I, I'm Jennifer not sure Bogondale. if you go by Jen. No, very, yeah, I would as well. very familiar. Yeah. Uh, I love both those quotes. I love, I love the way Mike Schur talks about storytelling and TV making. I, I read a book called, I think it's called poke. It's either poking or stabbing, uh, poking a dead frog, I think. And there's an interview with him in that, that made me, made me enjoy watching all the shows that he works on. In, in a deeper way. And I think the quotes that you read really do that too. So thank you for sharing those with us. And I love, I also love that Adam Scott did audition for Jim Helpert. Um, oh and yeah. So it's, so for him to get to come in and finally give his looks into the camera. Uh, I, I love Adam Scott in lots. I love party down. I, I'm so excited that he's now a part of parks and rec and I can't imagine, um, John Krasinski not being Jim Helpert and Adam Scott not being um, uh, Ben Wyatt. It's also, I was telling Will, originally when he auditioned, there was some scene he was reading where he was flirting with Anne, which is another, like, mind, you know, show switch I can't can't wrap my head around. Um, No, I I, those are great quotes. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about what the cameras mean to Parks and Rec because it never, the cameras don't culminate in the same way that they do on The Office. And so I like hearing, you know, what each character takes the cameras as. Mm -hmm. Um, Will, if you were, if you had cameras following you around, Mm -hmm. why would you look into the cameras? Because I I know my, I think I know my answer, but I want to hear yours first. I... (laughs) <laughs> I well, I think, like as Jennifer told us, my relationship to being stalked by camera crew might evolve, and I might learn to look at them in a different way over the course of them following my every move. I yeah. think my look would be, um, I think I would have kind of like, are you getting this moment? I think I would want them to be like, like a best friend, like co-conspirator, look to the yeah. camera. So yeah. I actually know my answer. I like that <laughs> right. for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I, I had I forgot. a producer on Survivor. <laughs> I know. I forgot, too, when I asked you the question. <laughs> I had a producer on, excuse me, Deal or No Deal, tell me after the show that I would give Jim Helper looks to her and to the camera sometimes of like, because <laughs> I think, you know, Deal or No Deal is similar to The Office, where it's just a bunch of kooky characters. And sometimes you just want somewhere to look and go. But then you realize at the end, oh, I gave a look listener. I yeah. realized that no, didn't no, translate. You, I, I blinked when you did it and I heard it. So yeah. it reads. Uh, but then you realize at the end of the day that Jim is just a crazy nerd like everyone else. So there's the lesson. Jennifer. Oh, also, Jennifer, for part three of the Gen Tales. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm i glad you feel similarly. I remember we talked about. I, I like the, the Jerry joke in doses i think a toby and a jerry i think it's really fun to play low status and i think it's a fun game but that one episode like i said <laughs> went too far <laughs> for me yeah. um but thanks so much for calling in jennifer and um we hope you call in again the gen tales part four 
in a future episode. All right, let's get to our next voicemail. Anonymous, number 154. Hey, Hannah and Will. I'll take down my mask a little, but hopefully you can hear me. I'm riding up uh, a snowy traverse here. Uh, You think I'm not going to be able to play basketball until... Summer, Hannah thinks, Will agrees with Dr. Fauci in the fall, although Dr. Fauci said the fall of 2021, and Hannah muttered something about 2022, so I'm a little nervous, but I'm hoping Hannah's right, and it'll be a warm summer night that I'll actually get to play basketball if they get 2 million vaccines in, in 200 days, then that should be able to happen. Uh, so we got, uh, pro football, the final four for the Super Bowl. Which two teams are going to make the Super Bowl? Uh, I'll save you a Google search. It's the Tampa Bay Bucks are playing the Green Bay Packers and for one spot and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Buffalo Bills for another spot. Uh, let us know and we'll talk to you soon. Dad. Dad, are you listening? You keep that mask up. It doesn't matter if you sound muffled to us. We want your mask fully up. But we understand that you're completely alone and outside as you do that. But um, you keep that mask up. I do love picturing your dad alone in a gondola just talking to us. Sports guy dadding. (laughs) Just sports guy dadding it up. Um, Yeah, I mean, I... I, I hope I think, a warm summer night for you, I was hoping for too. 2021 warm summer night, to be clear. That was my hope. Yeah, I don't know what the muttering was. Um, yeah, I hope I hope my dad gets vaccinated and gets to pick up that basketball for pickup basketball. Boom. That's um, I'm just realizing that's where the name comes from. That's where yeah, they got the name, pickup basketball. I know. Yeah, that wasn't a boom. That was just the name. Um, so Wolf. I'm going to say... Um, The two teams I remember the most, which is the Green Bay Packers will win that first duo and then the Buffalo Bills, because I really like the name Buffalo Bills. And I feel like was the other what was the other team the Buffalo Bills were playing? I think maybe the was it the Chiefs? The Chiefs. I guess Green Bay Packers. Isn't that just cheese heads? Whoa. <laughs> no, isn't that what it is? They wear like cheese on their head. Am I, I wrong? That, I think that's for Wis- like Wisconsin in general. I'm not sure. What, I know Go Pack. I feel like it's an it's about an an ethos. It's an energy. Um. Um. Okay, I'm seeing lots of photos now of people with cheese. So then, between the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills, I'm gonna go Buffalo Bills. So who in your side? So I've. I've given very detailed guesses with no information. Uh, which of each bracket are you going to go for? Okay. I'm going to go same bracket, different reason. I was raised as a Broncos house. Broncos don't like Green Bay Packers. That's all I know about sports. So I want so the you Packers. So you got to bet against them. I know. I want the Packers to go against the Buffalo Bills, who have had an incredible winning streak, I think, after losing many, 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 many games, many seasons in a row. And I love an underdog. So, dream scenario, Buffalo Bills, Ooh. underdog, love to see them beat the Packers. Wait, why wouldn't you want the Packers to just lose to the first, what was the first team they're playing? I don't know. I think 
because there's farther to fall. Okay, you want to really get their hopes up, and then you want to be like, you want to crush that cheese. I want to crush the cheese. Um, so there you have it, Dad. We remembered three of the names, and we put our guesses in. I guess I like sports now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're both very invested. Um, you seem to know a bunch. Um. Uh, thank you, Sports Guy Dad. Uh, we both love you, but I love you more, probably. Appropriately. Um, yeah. Appropriately. Um, our next voicemail is number 155, Anonymous. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Will. Dessert has arrived. Woot, woot. I am so happy we have gotten to this episode. People are going to be with the right people. Uh, my favorite parts were a couple favorite parts were one when ron kind of tries to console april yes um he tries and the other is andy who's written that song it's called november but he says this song is for april anyway i'd love to hear what your favorite parts are and and again i love dessert the most too bye I forgot. He gives her the gun up front, and then the real gift is the pat when she's upset. Yeah. Favorite moment of the episode, Will. What is it for you? I loved when April uh, says to Andy at the shoe stand when she invites him to the party, and she, like, backs away but maintains eye contact. I love Ben saying to Leslie, you're going to run for office run day. Like, you want this. I see you. Yeah. I And then whoop, there it is. We begin. <laughs> is it whoop or is it woomph? Is it oh, woomph, no. there it is? Here's my paraphrasing ways again. <laughs> what is it? I Google think it, Will. I think it might be woomph. But again, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just begging the internet to be mad at me. You know? No, I'm sure you're right. Uh, it might be a woomp. Woomp. It's woomp. There it is. So kind of in between. W-H-O-O-M-P. Yeah, a real in-between thing. <laughs> uh, Mom, thanks for calling in. Yeah, everything's um, headed down a different path now. Uh, the next uh, voicemail is from Connor Young, number 156. Hey, Hannah Will. This is Connor Young calling in from Norman, Oklahoma. And since we haven't done this in a while, I wanted to send in a what-if question for this week's podcast. So what if Parks and Rec started the opposite, and we had Chris and Ben start the series and then swap out with Mark, Brandon, and Woods in the middle of the series? What would be the ramifications of this? What would happen? Would the show get canceled? Probably. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Man, a what-if that's just aiming to torpedo the whole show. The show that we I make our whole livelihood them. on. <laughs> I love that you're bringing the what if back. Yeah, welcome back. So if we if we start off with uh, with the two the two new boys in town, and yeah. we have them the whole time, then yeah, I, I guess they're both. You know, Leslie probably has a crush on both of them. Um, both of them date Anne at some point. Maybe we divide some of that up. Um, and then Mark comes in. <laughs> 
city budget specialist. And Leslie goes, ah, death. And it really is the death of the show. Mm -hmm. And then it, yeah, it just cuts for some reason to the Curb Your Enthusiasm credits. And we're not sure why, <laughs> but it's, it's a nice, it's a nice moment. Um, oh, well, man. it is. I mean, I think another way of looking at your, again, truly excellent what if, Connor, is that mm -hmm. I, I think they show up at the perfect time. You know, yep. I think we need to know where we need to know enough about the city. We need to sort of see the city government at work. We need to get used to the way things are in order for them showing up to have the effect that it does. Um, so, yeah, good. What I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris Traeger is literally, literally the Energizer bunny, you know, spring in, spring in some energy into, you know, sort of the mark socket. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Ben, who is seeing things in Leslie that, you know, she hasn't acknowledged and in one episode is able to push her in a way that maybe we haven't seen. I mean, Leslie's a force field and she's pushed to like really think about budget cuts in a different way. In mm. one episode, while also pushing him to see things in a more human way. So I agree with Will. Right time, right place. Let's keep it the way but, it is. <laughs> you know, please send us more what ifs. I love a good what if. Uh, let's get to these emails, though. We have two emails, mm. but let's start with the older email, uh, who we promised we'd go back to. And I was not lying, Sarah Noir. You wrote us an email. About Master Plan on January 5th. And just like this episode, we've had to wait for your dessert of an email. So, Will, do you want to take it away? I would love to. Thank you so much for your email, Sarah. Um, Thank you, Sarah. Episode 23, Feedback. Sarah says, okay, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I just can't wait for Ben and Chris to get here. So I need to know if y'all ever noticed how on Master Plan, we are all the future couples are introduced in this episode. Uh, let's say spoiler uh, spoiler alert. Oh, she then says oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. So, but also go uh, run a five k. as yeah. Chris would do as we do this. Super spoiler heavy. Not sure we can discuss in the podcast. We we have we know no bounds. <laughs> Sarah says Anne and Chris. Oh, we forgot one of the couples. She calls out. We're gonna have to talk about it. All right, keep going. <laughs> she says Anne and Chris hook up. Ben and Leslie start their slow courtship. Lucy and Tom meet. And she totally calls him out on his BS and we get to see him start to evolve as a character. And of course, the April is 21. So now Andy can feel less uncomfortable about being with her. Though maturity wise, they're in similar places. So the age difference never bothered me. Hear that. Hear that. The only relationship we don't get is Ron and Diane. Bleep. <laughs> I want That's okay. We can keep reading. But I like to imagine she's at the club that night waiting Aww. in the wings. And the episode is called Master Plan. Is this... Wait, and the episode is called Master Plan. Is this what the writer's intentions were all along? How cool is that? Hey, Sarah, cool. uh, before we get into your question, we forgot to mention Lucy. The Lucy story. Totally missed it. <laughs> we got so focused on the river, Ben, that yeah. we forgot the Lucy story. Um, Where, you know, Tom goes back to the bar to pay all his uh, drink debt of mm. every, all the drinks he's bought for women. This cool sexy bartender is like you tried to hit on everyone so you've got nobody then they make some jokes they joke about you know how many penises he would need to, to have 
the um, sexcapades he had uh, attempted. And I really like Lucy. I want to preface this. I really like Lucy. I agree with you, Sarah, that she brings out, um, that she sort of evolves as him as a character. My one-ish is it feels like a version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, except like Manic Pixie Cool Girl. Like, she's cool. She's beautiful. And like, even though you do skeezy things, like, she laughs and she gets it. Like, (laughs) I like Lucy a lot. And I think we'll see this evolve and she'll become a more real character. But Mm -hmm. there just is something about that that... I I feel certain way about. I think too that part of that is because we only see her for this one minute at the end. That's fair. And and we see them have a connection at this one minute at the end. And yeah, but I I hear what you're saying. I think it it does feel a little bit like a like a nice little bow to Tom's story, but I don't I don't mind it because I yeah, I like her. I don't mind it either because I like her and I also, like I said, I've enjoyed I think I understand what he wanted, even if he was going about it in all the wrong ways. Mm. So, um, yeah, I uh, we'll see on that dot dot dot. But um, do you think this was the writer's intentions all along to sort of lay out the master plan of the series with the master plan? I hope so. <laughs> see, I think of the master plan as a different thing, Sarah. I think of it as the thing they threw out the window. Like, they had the master plan for the show. She had all these budget ideas. And these two new characters come and shake everything up. And the plan for what they thought the show was going to be, just a Jack London tribute, is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think we're sort of being like, well, th- and this is the episode where that changes. Where we can never go back to the old, the old master plan. As Jack London would say, to be or not to be, that is the question. Um, Sarah, I hope we answered your question. Please write in again. I hope you're uh, still listening and waited for your email. Uh, We do have another email, though. Um, Very exciting. From Lauren Romano. It's called Evergreen Question. Hannah and Will, I've been listening long enough to know to put the warning at the beginning, not the end. Now we have all caps and we have siren emoji and a monkey, I think with covering his ears emoji. Please answer the question before you look at the picture below. And we see a lot of emojis kind of making sure we don't look at the picture below. Neither Will nor I have looked at the picture below. So we're just going to focus on the question first. Lauren writes, I've been binging Parks and Rec and the podcast and have started getting targeted ads like the one you will see soon. Ooh, now we know what the picture might be. It features five characters from the series. I will admit I was a little surprised, although happily, by who they chose. If you were going to name the five characters of Parks and Rec Rec, to represent the entire series, who would you choose? And then after we choose, she writes, now look, how do you feel about their choices? Love the pod, Lauren. Mm. Well, we got to put Leslie in there. We got to put Leslie. We got to put Ron. We got to put Ben. You only get five, Will. I know. We got to put... Uh, I got I say April. You say April? Okay, and I'll end with Biden. President of the United yeah. States of America. Yeah, the featured extra. Yeah. Oh, God. But if I had to choose... I want to put... Do- Donna was so good this episode. 
I, I mean, I'd consider throwing Donna in, but I don't know who, but we, we've, I don't know who she'd replace. Definitely not Biden featured extra. Um, I mean, do you think it's like a John Ralphio? Do you think it's like, if it's a targeted ad, they're trying to. Do you think it's, do you think it's like Joan Calamezzo, John Ralphio. <laughs> Pert Happily. Maybe um, it's like a news. Pert Happily. Yeah. Yeah, it's a news. So we're going to go with two answers. The first is uh, the serious the four, answer. The serious, the serious answer. The four main characters in Biden. Uh, the second is the whole news squad. So you've got uh, Shauna Malway Tweep, who is involved in this episode. Heard all that. All right, we're going to look. We are scrolling down, scrolling down. <laughs> so this this ad is um, an animation of sorts. Uh, we've got April, Ron, and Leslie from Our Choices. And then we have Andy and Lil Sebastian. Collect them all in Poplets. We're not sponsored by this. This was emailed in. Mm. Man, How do you feel? Their ad, I feel good. Their ad really was effective. <laughs> it really worked. People are, I'm surprised. I forgot, I forgot about Andy. Have some I regret about that. I forget about Andy. You chose. Yeah. Listen, we were three for five on one guess and zero for zero on our second. I can I can stand behind. I think those are pretty good, pretty good numbers. Lauren, this was a very fun game, and I sincerely hope you write in again with more picture games. I really liked your construction of the uh email with the emojis. It felt fun for us. I hope the listener understood how she constructed her email. Yeah, I'll describe any picture, anytime, anywhere. You name the place, be there. Let's make it happen. Uh, but for now, we are going to read two new five-star reviews. Jen from Baltimore, she writes, best pod around. Five stars, missing your old pals of Pawnee? Well, look no further than this gem of a show. Jen from Baltimore, thank you. We had Jennifer who called in with a three-parter, and then we have Jen from Baltimore. I hope you're all the same person. Or there's a Jen club now to rival the Connor club. I am thrilled with this review. Thank you so much. Remember to continue to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. Will, do you want to do our second five-star review of the week? Oh, from Grokafalone? Yeah. Uh, Grokafalone says, uh, review. Which could be like a review, but it's just a review. I'm not a huge fan of podcasts, but I found this quite entertaining. Period. Great show. No punctuation. Grunk of Falone, I feel you. I like your whole vibe. Thank you for listening. I love it. I love that you don't usually like podcasts, but you like this one. Uh, please keep leaving us five-star reviews. We have more to go through, but we will read them all. And if you enjoyed listening to other people's voices, please call in uh, speakpipe.com slash Pawnee Public Radio. Tweet at us at Radio Pawnee. Uh, please talk to us. <laughs> I felt it too. I felt it, Hannah. I felt yeah. it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Will. Yeah. yeah. Sondheim. Hannah Shapiro. We we got to the master plan, and it's only sweeter and sweeter from here, <laughs> sponsored by Sweetums. What are you most looking forward to in the coming episodes? Mm, I mean, I'm really invested in what they're going to end up cutting. 
you know, just budget wise. I'm invested in hijinks that are coming. Yeah. Um, I'm invested. I know we have some fun people coming in the pod. I'm excited to get to hang out with yeah. them outside a, of the world of the show. We have a, a fun guest next week and then some nice, fun, knee people down the riverbed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> we've got to We've gotta kick it. I've got to watch Pocahontas <laughs> and just get this out of my system. I think you'll get a kick um, out of it, yeah. Who says just around the riverbend? I don't even know. I just keep repeating it. The titular character, Hannah. The titular Pocahontas? character. Pocahontas? Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if Pocahontas, if you could choose five characters from Pocahontas to put on an ad, who would it be? Oh, uh, the little hummingbird guy, the little raccoon guy, um, the all the colors of the wind, that as a little guy. Uh, the, the, the young little feller who causes some trouble, uh, gets... Get stirs up some trouble. Um, Pocahontas's dad. How many lo- do I do I have left in the canoe? Her canoe. You nailed it. Um, I'm spent. <laughs> if people want to text you, what number can they reach you at? I'm sure I've given my number on the pod before. I was thinking if I'm loving all the town halls, I'd also love to hear like um. Like what you're, you know, if you've got any fun local government stuff or like if you're involved in your local community in a fun way, I would love to hear about that kind of stuff, too. So I agree. And and also remember, we have Mm -hmm. our raffle winner uh, who we will email. So by the time this is out, you will receive your email from us. Love it. Love it. You're going to you're going to be thrilled. We get to hear Steph Fallon at some point. A raffle winner, join us on the pod. But keep writing those five star reviews because we'll yeah. definitely do another raffle. And if not a raffle, some sort of, you know, Jeopardy style game yeah. with your reviews. We hope you enjoyed listening to us reminisce about the master plan. Um, if you if you want to talk to us, you can find us on Twitter at, at Hannah Lil Nesson at Wilson Heim. Thank you. Um, yeah, and have have a really great have a great week, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>